Joseph. I'm Nick. Oh, and this is Fish Jelly. It is. How are you? You know, it's hard out here for a pimp. Well, you know what? Perfect timing. So, well, actually, let me save it because I need to look up something. But oh. today's today's Mother's Day. Exactly. Exact thematic. Yep. Uh, well, there's a lot happening. But oh, but before <laughs> I do any of oh, and then the cat showed up. Oh, as she's wont to do. We would like to say thank you to everyone who continues to support the podcast. People are sponsoring us on Spotify. You can give as little as 99 cents a month. People are sending us lovely gifts. We just had a lovely lunch at P.F. Chang's yesterday, thanks to a listener, viewer. So, thank you. Mm -hmm. P.O. Box is in the description. And thanks to our moms. <laughs> and then thanks to our moms for birthing us, I suppose. Although I didn't ask to be born. I didn't either. And so, I'm ready to die. So, but... you know what? Take, take that right back. Snatch it back. <laughs> yeah. Can I go back where I came from? <laughs> I'm not going to go on a rant about how I hate holidays, but I do hate holidays. I particularly like mother's and father's day and valentine's day and christmas <sighs> halloween i think can be fun because you don't have to participate but i just think like today's mother's day and it's like for the people who either don't have good relationships with their mothers or their mothers have passed mm -hmm. i'm sure it's like a triggering time and then everyone feels obligated to do something we were at the grocery store last night um and just every person trying to buy a card and a flower <laughs> and a balloon. These expensive ass orchids. And Jesus. then I read an article about how like people in the restaurant industry, like Mother's Day is like the, the day they dread the most. Um, for, for reasons that are probably obvious, but it's just like, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think if you have a relationship with someone like Valentine's Day, you should probably show them you love them more than like... It should be a regular thing so that Valentine's Day, there's not all this pressure. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it's not February. Um, you're also leaving for Cannes today. Yes. Which is in France. Yeah. For those who, because sometimes I forget. For those who needed the extra orientation. Well, I can, I, I know that Cannes is in France, but I've, I always forget, I mix up France and Italy. Like I mix up whether you're going to Cannes or Venice. Mm-hmm. But I know the difference. Because France is a boot. Italy's a boot. What? Oh. <laughs> so I did mess it up. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Italy's the boot. Which makes me it's it sounds like I'm try I'm Canadian right now. A boot. Is there anything you'd like to say? Um about what, moms and shit? No, about oh. um going to Cannes. Oh, well, I'm excited for the plane. Uh, the, the, I'm excited for the flight to be over, both of them, and uh, to, to get to my little Airbnb where I can relax. And, you know, I'm the, this ticketing system shit is exhausting. Um, and for those of us who have to watch you try to get tickets, it's exhausting. So I'm going to make a plea to the organizers of the Cannes Film Festival. Get your shit together. Because I'm tired of hearing this man moan and groan at 10 p.m. trying to get tickets. Uh, well, <laughs> when I get there, it'll be at 7 a.m. But, you know, usually by the fourth or fifth day. And again, this is born out of the pandemic where every screening had to be ticketed, including press screenings. And it, it's it, which is, uh, you know, like communism, a great idea, potentially. But. Uh, the shit is that they can't get it to work in practice, apparently. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. 
We were also featured uh, on the Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movie Podcast. For people who don't know, um, I'm going to read their little description. Each episode, we take a deep dive into Black television shows and films to give our clinical opinion on characters, behaviors, and just kick it with you to help expand the conversation around mental health. So both of them are licensed therapists. Very funny, very smart, very insightful. We did an episode where we talk about Hustle and Flow, the 2005 film directed by... Craig Brewer. Uh, I really enjoyed doing it, mm -hmm. yeah. and I hope they want to do something else. But for people who are interested, I'll put a link in the description of this episode. Um, there's the podcast, and they um, made a video of us. So if you want to see all of our faces, mm -hmm. um, I suggest clicking on that as well. But moving on, I only have one silly article to talk about. Oh, we're not talking about the writer's strike? Oh, I don't have enough information to say anything. Do oh. you? I don't even know what it's about, even though literally it's across the street from our house and I see them picketing every day. I haven't thought to figure out why. <laughs> well, there's a couple. I, I, I <clears throat> am not uh, terribly well-versed, so this will be brief, but uh, talking about the, the, the mini-room concept where basically they're forcing studios can force you know a flurry of activity to be for everything to get done and uh, so that the last couple of weeks of a production there won't be any screenwriters on set oh uh, and, and cutting down on the number of writers uh and then uh, this business with ai oh well again i don't know anything about it um but i do support people trying to get their money so i you know anyone trying to get their no, money I th but i think it it's since it seems to be kind of dragging on i think the rumblings i've heard that the well you know the studios are kind of playing games and not being serious and they might not it, i've talked to a couple of people that think that the strike might end up screwing over writers well i was going to say i also you know employers have a right to handle their business how they want to and you know it could backfire on them or the other but again i don't know enough but i definitely uh it, it seems serious for me because i see it every day for the past week and it's not you know it's not thinning out like these people are out there mm -hmm. so it seems serious um i don't know again it's like i thought there was a point where it seemed like the studio system was done, uh, but it's. I feel like Hollywood is only it, the only. We're still dependent on that system, and why don't? Why doesn't something else try to be constructed? I do feel like when it comes to strikes, so you think like a teacher strike that has a huge impact, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's education, but also like for a lot of parents they right. use school as daycare so they have a like an, a very strong interest in resolving this so i feel like people whereas something like this particularly for someone like me who watches hundreds of films most of which are not that great to be is like well seems like half the half the shit i'm watching there who was writing the shit <laughs> that's like so i mean I, I i don't know what the effect is of not having writers like how everyone's striking it's, it's not like when the metro transit uh, mm -hmm. employees strike and now the buses are down that has like a real impact but the writers on strike i don't know like if we're going to see the impact of that so i don't know how much strength strength they have like the studios seem like they have um more to play with because it's really not impacting them the way 
you know, right. That when when the culinary union goes on strike in Vegas, I mean, shit shuts down mm -hmm. and they're losing money. In this instance, I don't know how bad the studios are being affected. And based on the quality of a lot of stuff, I feel like y'all could have a dog and a cat and the AI do it and it'd be the same quality. But Well, well certainly with the uh, majority of these Marvel films, I feel like that, that might as well be AI because it's all formula anyway. But, so. I, but that sounds horrible. And I'm not trying to minimize people's, you know, I mean, there are people out there fighting the good fight for whatever they think they're fighting for. So good for them. But. No, but it, it, it might, I don't know. Well, we, I guess we'll see how it all plays out, but you know, it just might be a reminder that we need to develop a, a new way to make films and fund films. Uh, like a lot of uh, other countries do <laughs> subsidized through uh, government funding or something that is, a different way than depending on the, these these glossy Hollywood studios that really don't care about good storytelling in the first place. It's it's a business model. There's some notable birthdays today. Kate oh. Blanchett. Oh. Hey, Kate. Robert Zemeckis. Oh yeah. Uh, Tim Roth. Yeah. Do you like Tim Roth? I've heard he's difficult, but yeah, he's I like in a movie I liked recently, Resurrection. Yeah, with uh, Rebecca Hall. Um, very sinister. Shanice, her birthday's today. We know her as uh, she's a singer. Her most popular song is I Love Your Smile. Da -da 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 -da. Okay. She's also married to Flex uh, Mitchell, who's a comedian that who I'm sure you'd recognize. Yes. And he is in his 50s and looks fantastic. So I don't know what preservatives he's taking. And uh, uh, speaking of, but I don't know what preservatives uh, Ms. Roman is taking, Tammy Roman. <laughs> Well, Tammy, girl, you need to stop smoking those cigarettes because <laughs> the Ms. Pat show is becoming one of my favorites. But yeah, well, just watching her from season one to season three is like, oh, oh, there's a market difference between the seasons. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, she does smoke a lot. And I'm assuming being on TV has caused her to want to keep her weight down. So, of course, that affects uh, our yeah. facial features. But yeah, stop smoking. And being blonde. I don't I don't know. I don't. I don't hate it on her, but it, the, uh, the, the wig is the least of my problems with her. She needs to stop smoking. But anyway, the story I was going to read. Um, so the headline says, say what now? Dead body found inside freezer at Arby's restaurant in Louisiana. So uh, the, in New Iberia, Louisiana, uh, the, the body of a woman was found in the freezer. But they, and, do, and, have, and they do have the meats, huh? There are very little um, details, but the thing that made me laugh a lot is that the um, lead homicide investigator was quoted as saying that he hasn't found any signs of foul play. Huh? Okay. There is a woman's body in the Arby's uh, freezer. Isn't that foul play in itself? <laughs> is she suicided in, in the Arby's freezer? Or? Oh, maybe that's... I don't know. It's just when I read it, I thought, I don't think anything about this doesn't seem strange, but maybe that's probably what you said is like foul play means like they don't think this person was murdered per se. It was an accidental. Like, is it a, anyway. Okay. <laughs> That's very random. Lastly, RuPaul's drag race, all stars eight premiered. It sure did. I don't know that I want to talk about all stars or drag race on the podcast again, but I feel like we should at least mention, um, well, there's at least two people that I don't care for whatsoever. Well then let's quickly talk about like Ugh. one word reactions from you about the cast. Alexis Michelle. Uh, okay. 
Darian Lake. I like Darian. Heidi in Closet. Entertaining. I wish she was smarter. James Mansfield. It's nice to see him shine. Jessica Wild. Oh, I love Jessica. Yeah. Jimbo. Jimbo creeps me out. And, and not because uh, he's innovative and creative, but there's something about him that makes me uncomfortable. Kahana Montrese. Be- beautiful gowns. Um, a nice new everything. Let's hope she can um, make that work. Candy Muse. Candy Muse. Ugh, God. Lala Ree. I like Lala Ree. Mrs. Kasha Davis. Nice to see. Nisha Lopez. Uh, well, I'm glad to be gone already. <laughs> and Monica Beverly Hills. Who, oh my God, I keep calling Santa Monica Beverly Hills. but uh, And then I started calling Century City. <laughs> Century City Beverly Hills. Uh, poor thing. I think that she just wasn't... I just don't think she's a performer for a television reality show. I, I think that. Yeah. She's not built for competition reality. N- no. And, and, the, and that's okay. I don't know. She, uh, she just doesn't seem interested in doing a lot of things again, which is fine, but um, I don't care for Nisha Lopez. Uh, I'm so tired of these Queens who like, they talk about they're the most beautiful. They have the best body. And you're literally standing next to people who, if we want to play that game, are more beautiful than you and have better bodies. So how about we stop saying things like that? Well, it's because it's 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 toxic because one, that's a toxic game to play. And and two, it's just like when you have to say it. Well, I just think it's a character. So why don't you speak about your character in a way that's fun and flirty and like, you know, my drag character sexy and you know, what whatever, but the way they talk like they're so fierce and she's the worst one. I can't stand her. Um, I really like Mrs. Kasha Davis. La La Ree's fun, but I really do think La La looks like um Holiday Heart. Oh her makeup's mm-hmm. terrible and her wig game is terrible. Candy Muse, I can't stand. I and it's it, it just is made all the more annoying by her speaking voice. And I know people don't like my speaking voice, but this lady sounds like she's chewing and on I, her own tongue. I think lots of people like your speaking voice, but uh, can't. It's not how Candy speaks or looks that's my problem with her. It's her attitude is. Uh, I don't know. I just find her kind of unpleasant. Kahana Montrese has all new everything, like you said. She had like eyebrow lift, nose job, uh, all BBL, liposuction, all new teeth. In drag, she looks like, oh my God, the cat is terrorizing us. Um, I, she looks amazing in drag. I, did, I didn't remember her really at all from her season. No, you didn't. But yeah, she's, uh, she's, she's been performing the past like, year and a half on RuPaul's Drag Race live in Las Vegas at the Flamingo or the Hilton something. Um, and she definitely is like a professional drag queen now. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything is like top, top, top. Mm-hmm. Although I'm getting tired of this breastplate. And we're only in episode two. Uh, well, because they don't re- they don't look real. No, it's too much. Uh, yeah, Jimbo creeps me out. It's fun seeing Jessica Wilde. Mm-hmm. I really like her drag is really great. And she has a fun personality mm-hmm. in and out of drag. Mm-hmm. And I know her first season 13 years ago, her English wasn't the best. So she was self-conscious about it, but now it seems like that's not an issue at all. So I hope she goes far. Um, I really like James Mansfield. I watch his YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. He just seems like a really sweet guy who went home first on his season and everyone made fun of him. 
and now he's pretty successful like he has his own business he does wigs my my memories of him from his first season where they every now and then they seem to do this thing it's like they they like to choose somebody to be the runt and then pick yes, them off yes and, and they did that in holland with uh uh love my sissy yeah yeah where it's just like stop telling this person that they're not loving themselves enough or look uncomfortable it's like i i because it wasn't coming across necessarily in in the edit i guess but it's just like why don't you just shut the fuck up and let the person be and then eliminate them if you don't like them like i to me that's playing mind games with somebody that is unnecessary like, i think hiding closets amusing she has a podcast with jada essence hall that sometimes i watch but only because they'll have guests i like listening to them talk between the two of them is not that appealing to me and i do think she's humorous she is uh i do wish she were maybe a little more intelligent sometimes uh <laughs> i mean coming from me uh i like darian lake mm -hmm. and alexis michelle wow like the transformation very polished yeah the his one, drag is like very very polished the the one thing was just like the in his confessional that he's admitted to an attraction to lala ryu which is like yeah right away he says he's attracted to another contestant i don't know if that's smart i mean you know what isn't that the secret put it out there in the universe but you don't have yeah, to but that's put your co-worker but, well, your co-worker but you it's don't professional you don't have to put it out to us you can you can get that also message. his hair situation he's balding but his his pattern of baldness is in the back so he's basically bald everywhere except the his front hairline which is you know lucky i guess because if you people only look at you from the front because he grows his hair long in the front but it looks like he has like a wave on his head mm -hmm. i really don't like that. well he must do that for attachment of the hair right well yes and so that's why a lot of drag queens out of drag look kind of severe or augmented because you know a lot of them shave the side of their head because it's just easier to adhere the wig and the mm -hmm. tape and they don't have to because a lot of them have to cover it up mm -hmm. the same way you cover up your eyebrows with glue and concealer you have to do the, your side hairline so if you shave it off that's one less step but then out of drag you look crazy a lot of them shave their eyebrows a lot of them get filler and mm -hmm. which looks great in drag but out of drag you know it, it's a sacrifice for your craft drag is you know violence to your body it is so that's why i appreciate it so much because it really is a commitment it's a commit it is an art it is a commitment um it is not uh dangerous though uh, to children to children yeah, yeah. okay we're on a time crunch uh, films released we didn't cover fool's paradise oh god i hated this i didn't put you through it because i didn't want to put myself through it again but i've seen i saw fool's paradise i don't know sometime last month it's charlie day's directorial oh, debut right. i did not like this movie is he in it he is the star you know i like charlie day i know you do he's playing like this homeless person who's like a tramp in the classic sense of like um charlie chaplin or buster keaton where he's silent and he gets picked up off, off the streets by this obnoxious movie producer played by Ray Liotta and stuck on a movie set to be the star because he has a doppelganger. He looks like this. He looks like also Charlie Day playing this obnoxious star that won't that's halted production on a film. And now the homeless version becomes this overnight sensation. I, 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 I did not like this movie. Knights of the Zodiac. Uh, so I uh, funny, I got a, an invite to cover the red carpet premiere, but they would not give out press screenings and did not have 
that links and did not have press screeners. Wait, for what it. does that mean? So you would have been on the red carpet interviewing people? I don't, you cover the red carpet. Yeah. You can, some people, some press outlets cover red carpets. Mm. Uh, but I, it, that wouldn't it, appeal to me. which I would have seen the film, but I had no interest in wasting my time this week. Cause I had so much to do, but, uh, it's directed by Tomas Baginski and Famke Janssen is amongst the cast, but this looks like a terrible film. Rally Road Racers. Uh, animated film directed by Ross Vinegar came out this week. I don't really don't know anything about it. Crater. Crater. Uh, this came out on Disney Plus. Did not watch it. Uh, it's directed, I think it looks like a YA sci-fi thing with Grace McKenna. Uh, Kyle Patrick Alvarez, who I've met. I know who that is. Uh, he did the Stanford Prison Experiment film, which was okay. I In Cog with uh, Jonathan Groff. And I remember, I think I like his first film best, an indie film uh, called Easier with Practice. But I think he also did the second season of Homecoming with Janelle Monet. Le Immensité. Le Mencita. Le Mencita. Uh, Italian film directed by Emmanuel Crielis, which was his first film in well over a decade. Uh, so I think hopes were high for this. I saw it in Venice last year in the competition. Penelope Cruz plays this abused. I think 60s housewife uh, who's doing what feels like a Sophia Loren impression, but um, she has a young trans child that is very close to her. And there are some interesting things about it. Ultimately, this wasn't a film I liked and you didn't seem to want to watch it. The Starling Girl. Uh, I think I saw this out of Sundance. Laurel Parmet stars Eliza Scanlon and Lewis Pullman, son of Bill, uh, who I happened to be trapped in some office uh, where I saw Lewis was on KTLA hawking this film uh, about a group of Christian fundamentalists and an affair. Lastly, still a Michael J. Fox movie directed by Davis Guggenheim. Apple TV put out a doc about Michael J. Fox, which I'd be interested in watching. Didn't have time this week. We need to take a break. All right. Projects of interest. Night Boat to Tangier. James Marsh has a new film that's lined up Ruth Nega, Domino Gleason and Michael Fassbender. The murderous Miss Highsmith. Uh, Shailene Woodley is going to play the notable uh, Patricia Highsmith, who was a lesbian uh, and wrote the talented Miss Ripley series. Of course, uh, we just saw an adaptation of uh, Ms. Highsmith's. Is that last year? Deep Water with Ben Affleck. Um, oh, I like that movie, I think. Mm -hmm. And you've seen the original adaptation with Isabelle Huppert. Oh, yeah. That um, was good, too. Alexandra Peckman is making her directorial debut, but it will also star Cara Delevingne and Noemi Melon. Cleaner. Uh, Martin Campbell, keep he keeps pooping stuff out here, um, but Daisy Ridley is leading his next film. We've reviewed a couple of his films, including The Protégé with Maggie Q and Memory, I believe he directed with Liam Neeson recently. Cleaner. I, you, I just said that. Flight Risk. Uh, and also a Martin Campbell alum, uh, Mel Gibson, directing his first movie since Hacksaw Ridge, which I did not like. I did not like Hacksaw Ridge. But he is directing a new movie with Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Two problems. Beetlejuice 2. Yeah, that was uh, officially announced this week with a whole slew of cast members coming back. Willem Dafoe, I think, has announced that he's going to be in it. So that's exciting. Um I'm curious. Freaky Friday 2. And apparently Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan are coming back for a new Freaky Friday movie. 
Lord of War 2. And Andrew Nichol is directing Nicolas Cage in Lord of War 2. The Life of Chuck 2. No, <laughs> The Life of Chuck. Hello, Chuck. Uh, Mike Flanagan, who seems to be, uh, likes adapting Stephen King, Stephon King, he is uh, directing another Stephen King adaptation, and this time it's going to start Tom Hiddleston and Mark Hamill. The Monkey. And another Stephen King adaptation. And another one, uh, Oz Good Perkins, Oz Perkins, who is the son of Anthony and I think quite a talented film director. Uh, I think we both liked his last film, Gretel and Hansel. Yes. Which had a a delicious Alice Kriege as the witch. Um, he is directing Theo James in uh, the adaptation of a, another Stephen King property. Free radicals. And then, of course, uh, my big deal uh, new piece of news this week is a new Isabelle Huppert film. Uh, she is going to be in a thriller opposite Finn Whitrock. It's directed by uh, Zia Magnus, who would be her second film. And who's I haven't seen her first film, but I will definitely be catching up on that before Free Radicals is released. Movies we watch for fun. Sherazad. Uh yeah, Jean Bernard Marlin's first film was which was at Cannes 2018, I think in Critics Week, which I missed. It's on Netflix. Uh, but he's got a new film that sounds intriguing called Salem in, in certain regard. So I caught up with that this week. And the eyes, the mouth. Wait, the, the eyes, the mouth? The eyes, it should be the eyes, comma, the mouth. Oh. Uh 1982 film from Marco Bellocchio, which I believe has some familial uh semi-autobiographical references because he's reunited with Lou Castell at this point, who is the lead of his breakout fists in the pocket in the sixties. Uh, plays a a man who I believe is a film director whose twin kills himself. And then he gets involved with Angela Molina, who is his twins, uh, lover, fiance, blah, blah, blah. Uh, (laughs) the dubbing on this film is, does not work for me, but I do like Angela Molina, uh, I think Bellocchio used a lot of clips from this film for his autobiographical documentary, Marks Can Waits, from a couple years ago. Uh, so I just caught up with that since I'll be watching a new Bellocchio in a couple days at Cannes. All right, moving on to our secret film. This is a first. It was your choice, <clears throat> and you chose the 1989 French horror film Baxter, which from the description... Um, sounded interesting. So the description, a white bull terrier named Baxter is given to an elderly woman by her daughter. As time passes, the dog develops aggressive and murderous behavior in order to be adopted by another family. So I thought for sure this would be a fun watch. Uh, I did too, because it's listed. John Waters had it featured as uh, the series he did on movies that will corrupt you um, is also going to be featured in upcoming uh, Bleak Week at the American Cinematheque. Uh, it was co-written by Jacques Audiard. This is before he was a director. Uh, stars Lisa Delamare. She's the old lady. This is her last film. She played the mother mm. of Lola Montez in the Max Ophels film. Uh, so there's just a lot of very odd elements that I- I'd been wanting to watch this film. But it turns out, first of all, the film is very serious and very dry. And about halfway through, I thought, I can't talk. Like, it's just, it just isn't something that I f- feel like would be fun to talk about. 
Uh, it it's a disturbing. It is a bleak film. It is, and it it is disturbing. It, it's actually based on an American novel from 1977, written by Ken Greenhall, called Hellhound, <laughs> um, which makes me want to read that man's other works. But there there were things that I liked. I, you know, because it's a a bull terrier. Well, here let's quickly tell okay. the story then. So Baxter gets adopted or given to this old woman. And the movie's narrated by Baxter the dog. Mm -hmm. And he's quite intelligent, quite insightful, a little demented. <laughs> um, but he does not like this old lady and tries to kill her. And his first attempt doesn't work. His second attempt does. But during this time, he becomes fixated on the neighbors across the street, a young couple. Particularly, he enjoys watching them have sex. Mm -hmm. So when he kills the old lady by tripping her down the stairs... He runs across the street and that family ends up taking him in and he really likes being there. But the demented part is that he just it's like he wants to be violent without reason. So this this younger couple who has adopted him, they have a, a, a brand new baby and Baxter tries to drown that baby. But the parents don't know that regardless, they give him away to a young boy like maybe 12 in the neighborhood in the neighborhood and this young boy is a psychopath mm -hmm. and is obsessed with hitler so he's a problem but baxter the dog likes him because this boy is attentive and is also um very like he has like rules and boundaries and baxter seems compelled to want to obey but we see this boy <laughs> training Baxter to be like a killing machine. Mm -hmm. During this time, Baxter gets a neighborhood dog pregnant and that dog has babies. The babies belong to a girl who the boy likes. But everything culminates with, because that boy's obsessed with Hitler and killing things. He tells this little girl, he's like, you look like Ava Braun. Like, who's that? Hitler's girlfriend for people who don't know. And... That boy kills those puppies and Baxter finds his children dead and buried. So Baxter decides he's going to kill this boy and they spend time in like this junkyard. Mm -hmm. So it all goes down in this junkyard, but right as Baxter's about to kill the boy, the boy tells him like heal. And because Baxter is compelled to obey, he just sits there and lets the boy kill him. Mm-hmm. So this is why it's bleak because we see that these puppies are killed and then Baxter's killed. And the end of the film is that boy goes to the house that Baxter used to look out from mm -hmm. and sees the young couple. And it's implied that he will probably end up doing more violent, deeds. doing more violent deeds. It's bleak. It's dry. Um, I mean, it, the ending's upsetting and the like. It, it just didn't give me anything during the runtime to justify me feeling that way at the end. Sure. <laughs> and I think the biggest problem is it's taking its, I mean, it's, it's, a, it, it's a drama. And Baxter, the way he's speaking is, you know, it's not silly at all. No. And then the human characters are so like one dimensional. Well, I think it's the humans that are dry. Um, I had said that it felt like I was watching someone else like build a Sims world mm -hmm. and we're just watching them create humans to kind of be bopping around. That's how these people felt. Well, cause they're all doing basic things. There's, there's adultery going on. And the, the, I, I think the most interesting character is probably the old woman that starts to 
you know, kind of lose her mind after the first accident where she breaks her foot. Because there's also an old man who's like trying to woo her. Woo her, and she's not feeling that at all. The, um, the but, film is broken into three parts just to get that out of, uh, out of the way. It's broken up into the humans, the happy days, which is when he gets sent to the young family, and then a human who likes me, which is the boy. Mm -hmm. But of course, that doesn't turn out in Baxter's favor. But go ahead. Um, no, I because I, the white bull terrier, that that's the target, the dog in the target ads. Yeah, and I, I always used so. I always used to be like, oh, that dog looks creepy, but I found Baxter quite cute. I agree. I always found that type of dog to look like some sort of like creature, creature. Mm -hmm. But then Baxter is actually quite cute. I, I so I think I was probably more entertained by just watching this dog on camera, uh, and then the lady as she started Lisa Delamere as she's starting to lose her mind starts bringing him in the bathroom with her, and she tries to shove him in the tub. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. Like this dog is gonna kill you, lady, and he does. Um there is a funny moment. Um because the teacher who gets killed, or no, um the the man who died there's a teacher whose dad died. Mm -hmm. And so we see the substitute teacher going to the classroom, mm -hmm. and her line is your to the children in the classroom, your teacher won't be in. And she says it very flat. Your teacher won't be in today. Her dad died. I'll be replacing her. Sit down. <laughs> um, that was actually a creepy moment because the old man, the daughter, that is the teacher, is the one that is having an affair with the, the psychopathic boy's dad. The, this story is actually pretty complicated for what it amounts to. I didn't understand why we needed the characters are all related. Yeah. They're, they're, it, it's intricate. Um, but the dad that, that dies, the old man, he's the one that's obsessed with Lisa Delamere. And he goes to her graveyard and she he has a vision of her and she's speaking to him. And I thought that was a pretty creepy scene. That was. Because she's kind of lulling him into death. Um, so there are a lot of things. I think... Because like on IMDb, it's classified as a comedy. It's I don't think there's nothing funny. I don't about think it's it. funny. Um, I did. I don't remember this dog in the movie Baby Blood, which I'm a fan of. But apparently, he was in that. The same dog actor. Yeah. <laughs> um. The 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 man, the husband who's cheating. Mm -hmm. I thought he was kind of handsome, and he reminded me of the actor who plays Pennywise. Bill Skarsgård. If you mix Bill Skarsgård with Kenneth Parcell from Thirty Rock. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> I thought he was handsome. Um, yeah, there are too many characters in this boring-ass movie. We do see the puppies being delivered, which at first I was confused. Like, what am I looking at? Mm -hmm. And then I realized I'm looking at a dog's vagina mm -hmm. with a head coming out. So that was kind of extreme because mm -hmm. you have never seen this before. <laughs> Not really, no. <laughs> um, oh, God. The, the movie really should have been about, I think, the better story would have been to simplify it to just have this psychopathic young boy take ownership of this sentient dog who's narrating. And then we get sort of the, cause I think the most interesting parts of the movie are when the dog is making observations about humans, like, mm -hmm. Hmm, that's, you know, cause he would, he's inquisitive. Mm -hmm. And I feel like watching this young boy, like this dog sort of learning about humans from this psychopathic kid who is atypical would have been really interesting mm -hmm. but because the boy doesn't obey there's a scene where he like his mom is or 
think his mom's selling Tupperware. Like having house. a Tupperware party and the boy comes in and like gets mad and tears shit up. Yeah. Like I just think it would have been interesting for a dog who's like built or designed to be obedient, witness a human kid who's not. And then maybe that forces him to want to kill the kid. And he thinks he's doing like good. Mm-hmm. It's like Superman good. But anyway, that's all I have to say about this movie. What would you give it? I think two and a half. I would give it two out of five. Mm-hmm. I didn't care for it. Um, yeah. But it's not a poorly made movie. It looks great. It looks great. Mm-hmm. If you watch the trailer, no, that's for our next movie. Never mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's just not what you would probably want. I can't imagine anyone watching this like, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why I'm giving it two out of five. But because we weren't in love with this movie, we decided at the last minute to select a new secret movie for today. Well, you chastised me because you're like, why didn't you pick a Mother's Day film? Well, it didn't occur to me until after we watched Baxter that we should have picked a Mother's Day film. Mm-hmm. So we chose the 1980 American rape and revenge slasher film titled Mother's Day. Uh-huh. Uh, Which I'd neither of us had ever seen. Or heard of. I'd heard of it because I, oh, I've, that's right. I've seen there was a 2010 remake with Rebecca De Mornay that I remember going to the Chinese theater to see was right after we moved to L.A. And uh, I was the only one in that theater. <laughs> well, so the plot for this movie or the basic plot, two brothers kidnap and brutalize three women for the pleasure of their demented mother. Oh, the story is pretty simple. Mm. There is a woman an old lady who has two sons and they are, it's very Texas chainsaw massacre. Mm -hmm. And they end up kidnapping three women who are friends. And these three women are like best friends from college. And now they all live in different cities, LA, New York, Chicago. And they have this tradition every year of taking like a mystery trip. So Mm -hmm. they all show up in one place and get in a car and just drive. Uh, notably, they're from a place called a university called Wolf Breath College. Wolf Breath College, and the town they end up going to is called Deep Barrens. <laughs> <laughs> but Deep Barrens is where this murderous family lives. So they get kidnapped there, and a good portion of the film is these women being held loosely captive. Yeah, because the problem is the family, the two brothers and the mom, are like Looney Tunes like cartoonishly crazy i did not find them fun no no because they're too crazy so they they're they're so preoccupied with being crazy that they kind of forget that they have these three women Mm -hmm. because throughout the film we keep getting reminded by either the mother or one of the brothers like oh yeah the girls are upstairs Mm -hmm. like yeah you kidnapped the three women (laughs) who are not like tied up very well so of course they escape But in the process, one of them dies just from her injuries and the other two realize they can't really get out because they're so deep in the woods and they don't know where they're going. I mean, I don't know that they tried very hard to leave. Mm -hmm. They just kind of give up. Mm -hmm. But then once the one dies, the other two decide they need to get revenge. That's the only way they're going to get out of there. So they go back to the house and kill everyone. The end, except... The mother of the murder, like of the murderous family, she keeps referencing something or someone named Queenie. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Crooklyn. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do the quote? Queenie, I don't want to live without my baby. Uh, get Judy, Judy, whatever you do. <laughs> Queenie, where are you? The funniest scene in a movie, I think, is from Crooklyn, where um, Aunt Song. Mm-hmm. 
she can't find her little stupid fluffy pa- lap dog pomeranian it's stuck in the fold and it's stuck couch. in like a fold out couch so when she folds out the couch to let her like nieces and it's friends the, the 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 dog like shoots out it sprawings out of there and on song is like oh she goes, no, oh, no. <laughs> Check it. Check it. Look up on YouTube funniest scene in a movie, Crooklyn. Uh, you'll you'll know what it is. <laughs> but anyway, we keep hearing about this person named Queenie, and it's uh, we find out like a family member of the mom who is like a psychopath, of course. And the lore is that the grandma killed this child mm-hmm. so that she wouldn't do any harm. But the mom is convinced that Queenie is still alive. Even though the grandma says that I killed her and I chopped off her ear and she gave the ear as proof. So they have Queenie's ear in a box. But the final, and the sons believe that the mom is saying Queenie's alive as a tactic to keep them in the house. Mm -hmm. Because she says, you can't leave me because you have to protect me. And they think she's lying. But the final scene of the movie, when the two women kill everyone and they looks like they're going to escape, then Queenie jumps out of the bushes. Mm-hmm. This was the film that I was saying, if you watch the trailer, you would think this is like a hot mess express, mm-hmm. super low quality. Actually, the movie is pretty well put together mm-hmm. and it looks pretty good. We watched it on A&E. The trailer though gives away the the shock ending. The trailer gives away everything, yeah. including the shock ending. Because we were... because. The, the movie was like, we, we had two minutes left and we're like, where's Queenie? Where's this mm-hmm. person who jumps out the bushes? Oh, that's Queenie. And and the the narrator of the trailer also is like, for those who know how to celebrate, every day is Mother's Day. Uh, Here, let's take a break on that. All right. So Mother's Day, did you love it? No, I couldn't stand it, actually. Um, Beatrice Pons plays Mother, who is probably best known for being in the TV series Car 54, Where Are You? Um it the the thing about Queenie, which I guess is the most interesting part in even by 1980s standards, I think that this plot is derivative. Uh, yeah, it's like Texas Chainsaw uh, Massacre meets I Spit on Your Grave. Yes, and yeah. also um, <laughs> these three women getting together who I couldn't stand. Uh, I, I think they're they're terrible characters. It reminded me of that Anna Kendrick film, uh, Alice Darling, where she's kind of the abuse. Oh, being abused. Yeah. Because yeah. one of them is kind of being taken advantage of, at least. Well, let's talk about that. So the three women, I don't understand why they're painted as, like, obnoxious and annoying. Because we get a scene when they arrive and, like, when they're up. They stop at a gas station. Like hills have eyes. Like hills, like like every movie like this, mm-hmm. and they go to a gas station and they're being awful. Like they're they're like knocking shit over and they don't care. And then one of them tells the clerk, "We're going to Deep Barrens," and he's like, "Don't you go over there." Mm-hmm. And then they it's continue, camp blood, and they keep wrecking his store. So then, as they're driving off and they're hooting and hollering, acting like they don't give a shit that they tore up his store, he's like, "Well, that's basically why you're going to die in Deep Barrens." Mm-hmm. So I guess I don't understand why it was important to make these women unlikable because like you just mentioned, one of them we see is not necessarily being abused, but we see that her boyfriend is taking advantage of her. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, I'm not really sympathetic towards her because she's kind of awful. Well, and also why are they making them act like they're not teenagers anymore? And these are whole ass adult women too. And one of them looks real grown. It's like, why are you acting like this? Like, like college girls. I mean, I know that they met in college, but it's annoying combined with the bad guys, the mom and the two sons 
I mean, it's first of all, so the mom is done up like I mean, she's creepy. Gone in the wind or gone with the wind. Gone with the wind. She gone with the wind fabulous. And then her accent is like Colonel Sanders. It's mm-hmm. very country fried, but then it's not consistent. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she sounds British or no accent at all, meaning like American. Like Madonna. Yeah, sometimes she's not like Madonna, sometimes she's not like Colonel Sanders. Then her sons don't have the same accent. The so one of the boys whose dentition looks like they colored it with crayons but it looks like if you buy like the wax teeth those mm-hmm. big ass, or like if, if, if you bought like horse teeth mm-hmm. and then cr- colored them with gray crayons including the gums that's what his teeth look like he talks like if arnold schwarzenegger were from were from brooklyn god and he looks messed up and then he has like box blonde hair that's like orange mm-hmm. he has orange hair he looks terrible and then the other brother sun-kissed hair is kind of attractive and he mm-hmm. looks like he would be from like and he sounds like he might be from like silver lake mm-hmm. i mean he's attractive compared to the other one so these three don't match and then they're just so crazy the film opens with the mom at a like seminar she's at a seminar it's called ego which is an acronym for whoever the speaker is ernie's growth opportunity opportunity. it's like some ceremony and she's there and she spots a young attractive couple and she offers well i don't know i mean i'm assuming that's what they're trying to be i mean the 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 young woman looks like lady gaga was a 50 year old uh bar back oh god anyway the the mother offers to give them a ride home and then she pretends her car breaks down and then all of a sudden her sons come out of the woods and decapitate the boyfriend and brutally rape the woman in front of their mother of course yeah and so that's a pretty extreme very, opening very titus andronicus but i was confused about it because that's a pretty intricate uh little staging they executed mm-hmm. but then halfway through the film we get this extended scene which adds to the looney tune quality of it that was annoying where the mom is training her sons how to kill but they have already been doing that. but they already been done been killed two people in a very sort of elaborate tight way they've finished basic training ma they're already done with training but then we see them training later and they're like acting like they don't even know how to hold a knife and they're stumbling over each other that was stupid i feel like if anything that should have been the opening of the film Mm -hmm. but not so obvious like that they're being trained to kill and and then queenie seems like that it's like lucky mckee's the woman where they have there's an extra gruesome surprise lurking in the barn with that thing without the And all she did was look like she was wearing a one, like a... She looked like What's she was, the character from Star Wars that's like furry? Chewbacca. She looked like she was wearing a Chewbacca onesie. <laughs> she did. <laughs> when and, she jumped out of the bushes. Uh, but again, fashion. And they do this close-up on the face, but it's still so blurry you can't see shit. <laughs> yeah, it was dumb. But, but yeah, if you haven't, you probably might get a kick out of the Rebecca de Mornay version, but I, besides her being a a beautiful, uh, evil thing, uh, there's, I didn't like that film either. I have a a few notes before the women leave to go on their trip. One of them, um, her doorman is this black man and he is real combative. She says, have a nice weekend. And he's basically like, I'll never be free as long as I'm black in America. He, no, he runs out screaming in the street. I will never have a free weekend. But I thought that was funny because I thought that actor or that the drag queen, the vixen. 
oh, looked yeah. exactly like that actor. Mad. Okay, when the three friends meet for their mystery vacation, we see them in their respective cities, mm-hmm. and then we cut to a scene where the three of them are on the side of the road getting into a rental car. We skip the entire process of how they do this. And who's the one, the blonde one that apparently lives in luxury and has having this backyard pool party that looks in Beverly Hills that but it looks like I would run away screaming from but the amount of coke that is being done there oh, and yeah. oh yeah um but no she gets a call and then her 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 butler's walking around wearing like these a real, tuxedo with no shirt and like sh- underwear on he looked crazy it looked crazy but he comes to say like I you got a telegram and that's announcing that they're having their mystery meet and greet or and she she runs screaming she runs through that party like she couldn't be done with it faster. These ladies play too much. Before they get kidnapped, they pretend like they they just play too much. One pretends to get stabbed in the back the way nobody does. One pretends to like be someone who grabs them out of the bushes. It's like this is so stupid considering that they're about to be kidnapped and like well, by three women murders. in the world. I don't know that the women play like that. I don't know. I don't... Okay, I do have to give it up to the filmmaker included a lot of little funny details in the film. Like there's a lot of attention to detail that you wouldn't expect from such a stupid movie. For example, there's a scene where the brothers are eating breakfast and they basically have like this buffet of trash in front of them and they're eating out of these like slop buckets. So they mix like cat food with cereal and lotion and eat it like cereal. And then they have like all this, like raccoons, all this. Yeah, basically. But I thought, I mean, whoever, set that up i mean there's a lot of detail in it um well the devil's in the details um i thought what would have been interesting because again the first of all it's called mother's day and the film is not really about a mother or her day or her day it yeah it's not even a day it's um about these three women so i think that's the first mistake this shouldn't be called mother's day but i think the film should have revolved around these three women who are kind of like, if we want to take the route of them being unlikable, what if these three women were kidnapped by these men and then somehow they appeal to them and then maybe so that the murderers like are lulled into a sense of safety with these women, like they can be more relaxed with them. Mm -hmm. And then we find out that these women, you know, maybe the gag is that they're not as innocent as they seem, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe they kill these men and, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot that could be done with just this, like, because I'm I'm just so bothered by the fact that I was like these women were so unlikable. I'm like, I, I also need a better motive for why a mother wants her son to kidnap women uh, and rape them and rape them. Yeah, there was no sense of why that needed I, to happen. I, I, I get to, or at least a sense of why the mother thinks that needs to happen. At least in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they were sort of like. I mean, they used it for meat, for their chili. Mm -hmm. And then they seem to take people who trespassed. So it kind of, I mean, not that it makes sense, but it definitely has more reason to it than these fools. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I didn't enjoy it. There is a pretty gruesome scene where one of the girls is trying to lower another one out of the house they're being kept Mm -hmm. captive in. And she's in like a, a sleeping bag. And so the lady's trying to like slowly lower her by holding a rope. But then all of a sudden the killers walk by. So she has to like hold her mm-hmm. friend, but it's hard, right? Cause she's like a, a smallish lady trying to pull a hundred and some pounds. So we see the rope tearing into her hand. Mm-hmm. I, I could see that being done 
because in this movie it's not you know the practical effects are pretty bad mm-hmm. but i could see it being remade and like being really gruesome so that was interesting so then when the ladies finally escape they can't find their one friend but then they stumble upon her they have shoved the killers have shoved this lady in a drawer mm-hmm. <laughs> and they grab her out but and then like have to carry her into the woods and then they have to lay her somewhere and camouflage they her. They cover her with branches. <laughs> they basically cover her with branches and some leaves. Like no one's gonna see it. I was also confused. How far did they get that they couldn't? That the bad guys couldn't find them. I see. That's there's a lot of things that don't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And then the bad guy has a police car. Yeah. So that's how he lures them out. Is that he? He's driving this police car with the lights flashing, so they feel like oh they're safe. They are out in the middle of nowhere. There's no way a policeman is out there, but he. He steps out of the car dressed in police garb, and she, the woman, hugs him, and then he starts like grabbing on her. So the mom, there is a funny scene where because her teeth are bad too, not as bad as her one son's, but there's a scene where she's flossing her teeth like violently while a dental commercial plays. Mm -hmm. But the cuter brother gets killed by getting, you know, the part of the hammer that like pulls out the nail. Mm -hmm. He gets hit like in the genitals with it. So that's what kills him. But the older brother, it takes a lot to kill him because they make him eat Drano. Yeah. Then they take a TV, like a TV that's plugged in mm-hmm. and like like jam it into his head. So mm-hmm. he's like electrocuted. Mm-hmm. That doesn't kill him. So then they end up stabbing him with a motorized knife. Mm-hmm. And that's what kills him. And then they kill the mom by suffocating her with what looks like blow up breasts yeah like a breast pillow it's like, like a translucent breast pillow, but it's like plastic mm-hmm. so you wouldn't sleep on it but they shove it over her face they they suffocate her with the areola you could rest between the breasts i think you, you think but wouldn't you be sweaty with the plastic i don't know maybe a day rest did you ever nap. sleep on plastic sheets no no i did once and yeah you sweat yeah no i don't know that anyway that was an interesting accessory a, a breast shaped pillow that they had that this family had uh my final note shopping a hot topic my final note is when the when the two ladies decide that they're going to go get revenge now that their one friend is dead (laughs) the one says we were meant to survive also fuck your friend right like (laughs) right i thought that too like okay these bitches are vile i did not like this did you just call your friend weak yeah because she dared to die okay what would you give this movie one i this this was not fun to me but also was very stressed out last night well i could see the same people who are really into like terrifier like the first Mm -hmm. terrifier like Mm -hmm. slasher like kind of I could see people liking it. I thought it was a little tedious. It is. I don't know a circumstance under which I would really enjoy it. So I would give it one and a half out of five. But that's all we need to get going. Do you have anything else you want to say? No. Nope. So we'll do the podcast while you're in can via Zoom, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. And then we do have like four videos dropping this coming week. Mm-hmm. We might be thin the following week, though. There's a couple things. If you... Uh... Oh, I might review Fast X and The Little Mermaid by myself. Self, mm-hmm. maybe and i think we we could probably fit in a zoom review of reality i think all right well that's all i have and kandahar maybe all done sure Ta-ta.